you would, and turn with me to Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2, I'll let you stay seated tonight. We just have one verse that we're going to use as our text tonight, Acts chapter number 2, in verse number 42, and uh, we're our subject tonight, you may or may not be familiar with the word koinonia, and we'll talk a little bit about that. How many of you heard the word before? A couple of you have, quite a few of you have. Good, all right, so you kind of have an idea where we're going, but Acts chapter 4, or chapter 2, verse number 42, the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and of prayers and prayers. And so tonight we want to talk about this matter, one of those things that were mentioned there, and that is this matter of fellowship. Now I think when you think about the church, one of the richest blessings that God gives through the local church is this matter of fellowship. Uh, it's really a, a wonderful thing to be a part of a fellowship of believers. Now certainly society there are many opportunities that you find in society for socializing. Uh, many of you, as well as myself, have been to various types of parties, and uh, not necessarily bad ones. Uh, there's, there's office parties, there's various types of functions uh, that people can go to. Sometimes it might be a sporting event that someone may go to, and again, that's a time to get together and socialize. Uh, we have activities even here at the church where we do things outside of a church service uh, it's times to get together to socialize, but fellowship with God's people surpasses any kind of social interaction. Uh, there's just something special about God's people getting together because Christian fellowship provides something that, that social interaction cannot provide, and that is that it provides encouragement and it also provides growth. When we get together, we encourage one another through the Word of God and just uh, maybe our own personal testimony, maybe things God's been doing in our lives. Uh, I even think about today and the Rasmussen's during the Sunday school hour, just encouraging us, Dr. R., so many words that he said to the men during the Sunday school hour about just encouraging men to grow and to stay grounded in what they had already learned from the Word of God. And we need this kind of fellowship, Christian fellowship. Now, certainly I'm not putting down socializing. It's a part of life. But understand that what is more important than that is getting together as Christians and having Christian fellowship. This is what the early church knew. The early church practiced fellowship, Christian fellowship, the godly fellowship. Again, the Bible says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, when we read that verse, what the verse does is it gives us a glimpse of what the significance of fellowship is. But then we also, from that verse, can learn what the defining characteristics of fellowship are. I think that's one thing we need to do as Bible-believing Christians. A lot of times somebody will ask me, why do you do things this way? Now, the joy of being a Bible-believing Christian is, is that we can take the Bible, we can look in the Word of God, and many times when somebody asks me, that's what I'll do. I'll say, well, the Bible says this, and that's the pattern that we follow, and that's what the early church was doing. And so we can look tonight at some of those characteristics, those defining characteristics of what fellowship is really all about. For instance, notice, first of all, that our faith is stabilized 
when it comes to this matter of fellowship. Our faith is stabilized. Now, you know, the disciples had faith, did they not? Uh, they were men of faith, but there were times where their faith wavered. Uh, Jesus said on a couple occasions, oh, ye have little faith. There were times where they had great faith, and there were times when their faith wasn't so great. And the same is true in many of our lives. Sometimes we have great faith in God, and other times our faith seems to wane just a little bit. And the Bible says here in Acts 2, 42, they continued steadfastly. Now, I want you to think about those words because notice, first of all, that our faith is stabilized because of continuance, because of continuance. These people, listen, Jesus had been with them. He was no longer on this earth. He had ascended back to be with the Father, but they continued on. You know, look, all of us from time to time, we've had things happen in our lives. We've had setbacks. We've had health challenges. Uh, we've had loved ones. We've had financial setbacks. But the key to the Christian life and even fellowship is there needs to be a continuance. What do you think Paul was encouraging Timothy in the last days of his life? Look, Timothy, continue to fight the good fight of faith just like I did. I want you to continue on in your life. See, salvation is just the beginning of the Christian life. Uh, all of us maybe can look back to a day or a time or a place that we know that we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, but true faith is an ongoing faith. It continues, Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you, notice these words, will perform it, the Bible says, until the day of Jesus Christ. God began it in you, and God wants to continue it. God wants you to continue. Uh, and when I think about this matter of our faith being stabilized, when we get together with believers and we fellowship with one another, guess what happens is our faith is strengthened. Uh, I love to hear testimonies of God's people. I've, I've sat, I sat across a table from some folks the other day, and I said, how did you folks meet? And they began to tell me the human side of their story, and then we began to talk about how God brought them together. You know, Her comment was, uh, I knew about him, but I thought he was taken, she said. And we began to talk about how, how God just began to work. And folks, listen, when we get together and we hear about God working in our lives, it strengthens us, it strengthens our faith. And the Bible says they continued steadfastly. That word means to be earnest towards. It also means that to be constantly diligent. That's what they were. Look, even though the Lord physically was no longer there, they were continuing the work that Jesus began. That's our responsibility today. Folks, look, let's not let what God began many, many, many years ago end with us. Let's continue the work of God. And one way we can continue it, because sometimes, sometimes with all the challenges of life, we get kind of beat up, but when we get together in Christian fellowship, it strengthens us. See, they continued and their faith was stabilized because of continuance. But notice, secondly, it was stabilized because of not only continuance, but continuance in the truth. They didn't just continue and press on the upward way. 
There was something that was guiding them. There was something that was making the difference. And the Bible, go back to Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in what? In the apostles' what? Doctrine. Now, it's interesting how God uh, gives us this here because when I look at this part of this verse, it helps me understand that at the center of their fellowship was the teaching of the apostles. Now, again, where did those apostles receive that doctrine from? They received it from the master teacher. Jesus taught them. I had some great instructors in my life. One of them stood in this pulpit this morning. And Dr. Rasmussen was one of my teachers when I was in Bible college, and I received many things from him. And the, the things that I have received from other great men in my life, they have taught me from the Word of God. Just like Jesus, who was the living Word of God, taught his apostles. And then those individuals passed on that same body of doctrine. And we allow Christian fellowship sometimes in our lives, listen, to become more of socializing than actually Christian fellowship. We get together under the banner of Christian fellowship, but more times than none, my pastor used to always say, hey, listen, it doesn't matter what you have. You can have a three-on-three basketball tournament. Uh, you can have a, a knitting class. Uh, whatever it is, you should always make it Christian fellowship. Now, that doesn't mean every word you say has to be Bible words and it has to be about God, but there ought to be something. Our pastor always encouraged us when we got together to, to share something from the Word of God because just like those in Acts 2.42 in the first century, those Christians, they had allowed the truth to bind them together. It was the truth that as they got together, they had all things common. Well, all things includes the truth of the Word of God. Wouldn't it be interesting in our church if this person over here believed this and this person over here didn't believe that, they believed something totally different and this person believed something totally different. Can you imagine the mess that we would have? And the Bible tells us the one thing that binds us together is the truth. See, real fellowship has the common uh, denominator and that is that our, our faith is in a person and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what the Bible said about those in Berea? They were a people that were stabilized in their faith, and that it was as they studied the Word of God, the doctrines of the Word of God, and they spent their time searching the Scriptures. Look at the verse there. They, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the Word. They did it with all readiness of mind. They searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. They spent time with the truth. It was the truth that made a difference. And listen, we've talked about what is a church. Certainly we all know by now that the biblical definition of a church is not a building, it's not bricks and mortar, that a church is people. But understand that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church. He's the cornerstone of the church, but, but the apostles' doctrine the teaching, the truth that they received from the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the foundation. He is the cornerstone, and the truth of the Word of God is the foundation. And, and it's upon these things, Jesus and the truth of the Word of God, that we gather together to build our lives, to become a spiritual household to the glory of God. And so we must be like those before us, and hopefully those that come after us, we have to be grounded in the truth. 
We need to make sure we're building our lives and we're settled on what Christ taught and on the Lord Jesus Christ and that our fellowship, as we gather together to continue, that we're continuing in the truth and it is that truth that helps establish our faith. Look what the Bible says in Colossians 1.23. If, if ye continue in the faith, notice the words, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, I Paul, am made a minister. Now, so many today, and I think if, you're, if, you, if you've got any kind of spiritual antenna and you're paying attention uh, in the Christian realm, there are, bit, there are many who have heard the same things we've heard, but they've moved away from it. Uh, they, they've decided that they want another gospel. They want something other than, well, folks, listen, God gave his word. Truth is truth. When you deviate away from that, You've moved away from the truth. And the Bible says, the Lord Jesus said, the truth shall make you free. And this world today doesn't need what we think and what we can dream up, what we can imagine. What this world needs today is they need truth and they need a people, God's people, that are founded upon the Lord Jesus Christ and are continuing in the very same truth that the Lord gave. Are you with me tonight? Listen, we need to make sure that we have our faith stabilized and it begins by this matter of continuance in the truth. Notice secondly also that this matter of fellowship is something that is sustained. Fellowship is sustained. Another characteristic that we see in this verse for real fellowship is the longevity that is there. Uh, that's something that uh, a lot of times when I look at certain individuals or certain institutions or certain churches, there's something to be said about a person or a church or an institution that's around for a while. Uh, you heard this morning that West Coast Baptist College is in its 24th year. Uh, Dr. Mark Rasmussen has taught for over 40 years I love to tell people, many times I will knock on doors out in the community and I'll say, I'm from Bible Baptist Church, and they'll say, well, is that the new church over there? And I was, I'm like, no, we're not a new church. But we're just out inviting folks to our church. And, and they'll ask me, so, so where is your church at? And I'll tell them. And then in that, in that de description or story about our church, I'll say, well, our church is actually 68 years old. Do you know that speaks volumes to people? When they hear, oh, you guys have been around for a while. You've been established for a while. And the same thing about our fellowship is that there needs to be a longevity. Worldly friendships. How many of you have had friendship with someone else that maybe necessarily wasn't a bad person, but wasn't a Christian, and that friendship used to be, but that friendship is no more. Anybody like that? Used to have this friend or that friend? One of my best friends growing up, his name was Jim Kennedy. And Jim and I, we were almost inseparable when we were young boys. And I remember every summer, his grandma, for the years that we moved to a house that was just over the hill, really, from where my mom and dad moved to. And, and so Jim would come, and we'd spend the entire summer. He'd stay at his grandma's and we just, I mean, we did everything together. And it was kind of funny because we, Jim and I, we could have been brothers, 
Because every summer, somewhere in that summertime, we got into the biggest knockdown, drag out, break your teeth out of your mouth kind of fights. I mean, we just went at it. And you would have thought after that that we would have never spoke to each other. And every summer after that was over with, both of us, we'd be like, yeah, that was pretty stupid. And we'd kind of come back together and we'd spend the rest of the summer and we'd just go on like, I've got a good friend that I haven't seen, probably haven't seen Gary for probably close to a year. If I saw him tomorrow, it'd be just be like we've never even seen each other, like, like it was yesterday when I saw him. And sometimes friendships are like that. But listen, can I tell you, although friend, worldly friendships come and go, Christian friendships, fellowship, needs to stay. You need Christians in your life. A lot of times Christians try to go it alone and, 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 and they feel like, hey, listen, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily need to be uh, fellowshipping with other Christians. Folks, look, we're looking at the Bible tonight and the Bible's encouraging us to get together with one another, to get together with Christian brothers. Sometimes I see folks and I'll see people after church kind of hang around talking to each other. That's awesome. But one of the things I think that has helped me over the years to get to know people is say to them instead of just saying, hey, we'll see you on next Sunday, say, hey, you want to go to McDonald's and get, a, get something off the dollar menu? You, know, you want to go get an ice cream cone? I mean, you might want to invite them to your home. But having Christian fellowship, well, where does it all begin? Notice fellowship is sustained, first of all, through Christ. It's sustained through Christ. As Christians, we have that common base. And that base that we know is the Lord Jesus Christ is far more substantial than any surface interest that we might have. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice what he says here is we were called unto that fellowship to spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope every day of your life you spend time with the Lord. I hope you spend time with Him today. Can I tell you, when my day doesn't go right, I know that the reason it's not going right is because I didn't take time to spend with the Lord. And maybe you're not like me, but that has happened in my life on more than many occasions. And we need to make sure that fellowship is something being sustained through the Lord Jesus Christ. The 17th century preacher Thomas Brooks, look what he said, let those be thy choicest companions who have made Christ their chief companion. In other words, I want to spend time with people, listen, who spend time with Jesus. I want to be around other people who are Christians. They love the Lord. Uh, Look, I can go hang around with anybody in the world, and I don't mind being around those folks, but it isn't long before I feel uncomfortable and out of place, or they're saying things that I don't want to hear, that I don't want to be around. I don't want to be a part of that. Uh, Fellowship, this word that we're looking at here tonight, koinonia, look at there in your notes, it refers to a partnership. It means a sharing The New Testament use of the word koinonia involves the sharing of of spiritual life, sharing what God has done in your life, maybe sharing something that God's encouraged you, maybe something that, that how God's been working in your life, real fellowship. You might say, where does that take place? How would we be able to carry on fellowship in that realm? Well, there's a lot of ways we can do it. One is you can share things through prayer. 
Uh, you can pray with another Christian in, in the Lord. You can uh, get together like we did just a moment ago and we can sing. We can gather together and fellowship. We can get together in a Bible study and fellowship with one another. We can spend time going out into our community with a handful of invitations and gospel tracts and, and tell people about the love of God. You can fellowship. A lot of times when, when I'm going out to wherever we're going to go knock doors, well, we're talking about things, we're having fellowship. You know, depending on who it is that I'm with, I might ask them about something in their life or they might ask me a question. And then, listen, after we knock doors, many times the fellowship on the way back to the church is about people's reactions and responses. Maybe a, maybe a dog chased us while we were out knocking doors. You know, whatever it is, we're having fellowship. There's a lot of opportunities serving the Lord. A lot of times we get together and, and we're serving the Lord and we're, we're talking to one another about uh, how we're going to do this. And uh, we had, uh, of course, not only the Rasmus, we, we were at the hotel where our couples retreat was and the, uh, one of the, the managers from the hotel, she came into the room where we were at and she walked into the room and she kind of did one of these things and she said, wow, this looks nice. She said, we should hire you guys whenever we do events. You know, and, and she just, she, she's like, this is beautiful, you know, and, and, and we just, we had a great time talking about it. We get together for the Lord's table. That's a great time to fellowship around the table, talking about what the Lord's done for us. Are you with me tonight? You understand there's a lot of, sometimes people think, well, you know, what do I talk about? There's plenty of things that we can get together to talk about. You know, sometimes when, it, as Christians, we're very slow to want to talk about God and about the blessings of God, and as we heard tonight, the grace of God. But boy, you start talking about the NFL, and boy, it, I mean, the floodgates open. Everybody starts talking about this, and this guy did this, and this guy did this. Hey, listen, if we're Christians, people need to hear us fellowshipping about what God is doing in our lives, and our fellowship is sustained as we get together. The benefit of getting together, look, it must not be replaced uh, by, by some socializing event, we've got to have authentic Christian fellowship. Look at 1 John 1, 7, what the Bible says about authentic Christian fellowship. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. So the Lord is the light of the world. That's what He said while He was on this earth. And as he is in the light, we need to make sure, as the Bible says here, that we're walking in that light, that we're fellowshipping with him. Do you get it tonight? As Christians, we've got to spend time working and doing things through the Lord, allowing God to use our lives. It, look, it, it is because of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're able to have fellowship one with another. And for all he's done for us, what happens, and I've seen this going on in our country for many years, is that churches... They tend to lose the center of their fellowship. And Christian fellowship is all based around the Lord. They lose that center of fellowship, and what they become is just a mere social gathering, a social club, instead of a church. Now, there's plenty of things that you can get involved in, you can be a part of, but when we come together to worship God, let's make sure the Lord is the center of our worship. He's the center 
of our fellowship. There's also another side of sustaining fellowship. And according to Ephesians 5.11, we need to make sure that we forsake any ungodly socializing. There's a lot of that takes place. I've been mentioning that. Notice what it says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, God's commanding us that you and I, as Christians, we need to make sure that we're forsaking sinful associations. Uh, now that we're a child of light, we need to make sure that we're avoiding the workers of darkness. Look at 2 Corinthians 6.14, and this was written to the church at Corinth. This was written to Christians, and the Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light, there it is again, with darkness. Now, certainly, listen, as we are in this world, the Bible says, let our light, the light that we've been given, let our light so shine before men. I, I was talking to someone today, and we were talking about where they worked, and, and, and I, said, I said, God put him right there. And many of you work in places that, honestly, you're probably the only Christian on your job. And if you let your light shine, and I hope you do, everybody on your job knows you're a Christian by the words you say and the life you live. And as you think about this tonight, the Bible says that we live in a world that, yes, while we're in this world, we need to be witnessing to them. We need to be sharing the gospel with them. It's not that we should isolate ourselves and go off and live in the mountains somewhere where we're never around you know, ungodly people. But here's the key is that God's desire is that you and I as Christians, that we would develop friendship with those who will encourage us to live for the Lord and have a relationship with Him rather than developing relationship with those who would deny the Lord or reject the Lord. Now, I'll tell you this, I used to be one of those rejectors. I used to be one of those deniers of God. And I'm so glad that my wife, when she was young and I was young, that she began to witness to me. She began to share the love of God with me. And God smote me and changed my heart. And I was gloriously saved. And I became a part of the fellowship of the believers. Listen, folks, we have to make sure that we're being salt and light but we need to make sure that we're making friends with those that will encourage us to live for God. A verse we even used at the couples retreat was, iron sharpeneth iron. And we need to make sure we're around the right kind of people. So our fellowship is only sustained whenever it is being done through the Lord Jesus Christ. But then what did Christ come to establish? Think about this. When he came to this earth, he came to establish the church specifically local bodies of believers that constitute the church. And the church that we've been studying uh, early on here in the book of Acts is the church of Jerusalem, the church where it all began. And this church began to explode with growth after Peter preached that famous sermon on the day of Pentecost. Look at Acts 2.41 there. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about how many souls? 3,000. So a tremendous 
outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. Now listen, it was in that context. Now I hope you get this tonight because our text tonight about fellowship is Acts 2.42, the very next verse. So here Peter stands, he preaches on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people hear the word of God in their own language. And it's in that context that the very next verse says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. I hope you can wrap your mind around that tonight because that's the context. Spurgeon commented, listen to what he said, those who belong to Christ are likened to sheep. Sheep go in flocks and so do God's people. In other words, getting together. It's a dangerous thing when we're not together. Predators of sheep and animals like sheep, predators oftentimes will look for an animal that has been separated. It's all on its own. It's away from the flock. And here's why. Because solitary animals are an easy prey for the enemy. And that's what the devil wants to do. Pick us off one at a time. And when we're not together, when we're not fellowshipping together through Christ's local body, then we are in a dangerous position. A Christian who is not a part of the flock or the church is placing themselves at great risk. Look what George uh, Sweenick said. He was a 17th century Puritan. His little quote there says, Satan watcheth for those vessels that sail without a convoy. In other words, one of those sheep that have wandered away. Why do you think he left the 90 and 9 and went after the 1? Can I tell you that if you were the only person or I were the only person, Jesus still would have left heaven and came to this earth and died for us. And the truth is he died for me and he died for you and he died for the whole world. But how important it is to understand that our fellowship is only sustained through Christ and it is only sustained through the local body known as Christ's body or the church. Scriptures encourage us that we are to assemble with our church family. It encourages us to stimulate Christian growth in each other. Look what Hebrews 10, 24 says. Let us consider one another, here it is, to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We don't know when the Lord's coming back. But the one thing I want to do, look here, is I want to encourage you in the Lord. I want to get together with you in Christian love as a church. Listen, I, I desire, I, I wish that this auditorium was full tonight. Because it's through the Word of God we receive our encouragement. It's through the Lord Himself. It's through the institution that He came to establish. Jesus said, I will build my church. God wants to use the church to help in this world today. And you know what the church is? It's every one of us, which means God doesn't just want to use me to encourage others. God wants to use you. He wants to use all of us to encourage somebody to live for God, to do the right thing. Well, how do we do that? Through Christian fellowship, koinonia. Notice thirdly tonight how our friendship also is strengthened. Our friendship, 
I think about significant relationships in all of our lives, and I think you would agree with this tonight, but every significant relationship that you have in your life, it's either going to sharpen you or dull you. It's either going to encourage you or it's going to discourage you. Now, I've had some of those kinds of relationships, and be honest with you, because they were dulling me, because they were discouraging me, you know what I did? I separated myself from those. I, I saw no value in keeping those relationships. I remember years ago when I first got saved, I had two friends, Doug and Chris, and I was closer to Doug than I was Chris, and when God gloriously saved me, it wasn't like I was better than them, but certainly all three of us were in some form religious. And when God began to work in my heart, Doug and Chris, they, they just continued on their way, their worldly way. And I remember thinking to myself, I can't hang out with those guys anymore. And I want to make sure that I'm, I'm being around someone that's going to sharpen me, somebody that's going to encourage me. Well, how are some, how are some, what are some ways that, that would encourage us, that would build us and have godly friendships? I want to give you four tonight before we close, and I want you to write these down. The first thing I want you to see is our friendship can be strengthened through honesty. Boy, this is an element that's missing in the world today. Honesty. I'm going to tell a little story on myself. Hope you don't think any less of your pastor. But I took a man that's been attending our church, and I honestly wanted to get to know him a little bit better. And so I, I, I told him last Sunday, I said, hey, listen, I'd like to get, to get together with you. I said, maybe we can go to a coffee place. I don't drink coffee, but I'll go while he drinks a cup or something like that. Or we can go grab a bite to eat. And we set it up, and he's, it worked out to go Wednesday morning and found a place we could go to right over here at the IHOP, and I, I, I gave him a couple of choices, and he, when I said IHOP, oh, IHOP, and I said, okay, we'll go there. So I, I, I met him there. I walked in. He was already sitting in a booth, and uh, so I sat down. We began to talk, and the waitress came. She was very kind to us, and uh, I introduced myself. I, I told her, I said, I'm the pastor of Bible Baptist Church. I gave her an invitation to our church. And she said to me, she said, well, I live over in Plantation. I attend such and such church. She says, but I'll come to your church. And uh, I, like Dr. R said to the men this morning, I, I've heard a lot of people say that, and most of them never show. But again, I just, I, I'm doing what God's given me to do. And so I was kind to her. She brought her food. Matter of fact, when she brought my food, uh, I'm, I'm trying to watch what I'm eating these days. And uh, she brought me two pancakes on a plate. I didn't order pancakes. And I told her that, and she just left them on the table. And so we were eating and talking and having a great time. I was enjoying getting to know him a little bit more. And uh, we, I finished my plate. I didn't touch my pancakes. Aren't you proud of me? I just left them right there. And, uh, and so I, I said to the young man that I was there with, he, was, he had two pancakes and he ate his. And I told him, I said, if you want mine, you can have mine. He says, oh, no, no. And we talked for another couple of minutes. And then he grabbed one of my pancakes off my plate. And he started to eat that. And pancakes, you know, he was eating that. And, uh, and so he ate that one, and he was going to get that other one, and then he, he kind of stopped, like, no, I don't think so. But we finished up, and I told him, I said, listen, I've really enjoyed our fellowship. And we were standing there, and we were talking about something at the counter. I got up, and when I looked, as we were talking, the lady that was our waitress was the lady that was actually ringing up our bill. And we were talking, me and, me and this guy, and 
So she told me how much it was. I gave her the card, and I paid for it. And we turned, walked out, talked the entire way out the door. And I said, hey, I'll see you Sunday. And okay, I'll see you Sunday. And, and then I went to, went to the car, and I drove back to the church. I got back to church. I went to my office. I kind of dug in what I was working on before I left, and I, I was studying. And my wife, who is, who is very good with uh, just keeping up with uh, receipts and things, and she says to me, she says, now, uh, that meal, was it this amount? And I said, yeah. And she says, was there a tip? I said, what? She said, did you put a tip on? Did you tip the waitress? I said, you know, I don't think I did. I've never done that. Even when I get awful service, I've never done that. And I, I, I'm sitting there, I, I just I almost couldn't work. I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Because people rely on those to earn a living. I've never been a waiter or waitress, but I always feel like, boy, these are people that if anybody needs to encourage, you, you understand when you tip them, it encourages them, right? And I, sometimes I go out to eat with people and they're so rude to the waiters and waitresses. And I'm like, man, why don't you just go eat at McDonald's instead of eating here? You know, it's like, why, why are you... You know, a lot of times, you ever see waiter, waiters and waitresses look on their face? They look like life's just been against them. And so I felt so bad. So we were going we to have to go somewhere in about an hour, and I told my wife, I said, well, you need to leave 15 minutes early because I need to go by that place and, and give a tip. And my wife said, okay. And so we drove over there. Now, I had no idea if she was still going to be working. I had no idea what she was going to say. I walked in the door, and I couldn't believe it. She was standing behind the register. She see me walking door. She goes, "Hey, Pastor, why are you back?" I said, I "I'm gonna, have, yeah, lunch. No." I told her, "I said, listen, you need to forgive me." She looked at me and she goes, "What?" I said, "I am sorry." I said, "I ate here this morning. You were so kind to us." I said, "I never gave you a tip." And she looked at me, and this is what she said. Oh, pastor. She said, if I come to your church and you give me a hug, that'll be enough. I said, well, I appreciate your kindness, but I still want to give you a tip. And she says, well, I've already closed out your, your ticket, pastor. I, you, you can't do that. And I said, surely there's got to be a way. And she says, well, we sell yogurts for 74 cents. I said, give me one. 74 cent yogurt and I gave her a $5 tip. She went back, we were talking, we were fellowshipping there and I, I signed the, the, the receipt, I gave it back to her and she just standing there looking at me almost like, what's he doing now? Why isn't he leaving? And I said, um, my yogurt? She goes, oh yeah. So she goes to the back and she, gets, she comes back out, and she's wiping up. She goes, here, Pastor. She goes, they're pretty small, so I got two of them for you. Now, I don't know if that lady will ever come. But, you know, even though I don't know if she's a Christian or not, I kind of sense she was. But we had a little fellowship there. And we need to be honest Christians. Honesty will strengthen us. It'll strengthen our relationships. True friendships are built on trust. What do you think marriages? They need to be built on trust. True friendships. 
and trust comes from honesty. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians 4. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. We need to speak the truth. Listen, sometimes it even hurts, but we still need to speak the truth. Faithful are the wounds of who? Of a friend. Real friendships include genuinely being concerned for their spiritual welfare, the condition of someone that may be a part of your church, maybe a friend that you have outside of the church. Sometimes the honesty of another Christian friend is just what we need. We need them to be honest with us. Maybe sometimes their honesty, honesty with us, you know what we'll do, and I've had this happen in my life, it helps to recalibrate my heart. It helps me to realign myself and get myself back on track as I need to be walking with the Lord. I'm glad I've had some friends who were honest with me and have said to me, listen, Brother Keeley, I need to talk with you about this. And so one way that we could see friendships strengthen is through honesty. Another one is through dependability. Dependability is something that is born out of a Christ-like love. Now look what the Bible says here in John 15. Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He, then he says to them, ye are my friends. Notice this little word, if. He says, ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. What is he describing? What is Jesus talking about here in John 15? He's describing a love that remains constant, and that love is something that is fueled by the very love that Christ has for us. See, it's easy for us to understand how we're supposed to love others. Why? Because you can just look at the way the Lord loved you. Remember how he loved you before you ever loved him? Remember how that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you? That makes it pretty easy for us to understand that that's the way we need to love one another. And friendships are strengthened through honesty, through dependability. Notice also I mentioned earlier through encouragement. You know, these last two days, I've loved spending time with one of my mentors, one of my dear friends, Dr. Mark Rasmussen and his wife, but the truth is, as much as I wanted to encourage him, he ended up encouraging me. I, there are a lot of people that I know he talked to, <coughs> and, and I, I told you before he came, he is a modern-day Barnabas. He just loves to encourage people. We walked into the building, oh, pastor, he says, man, this building is beautiful. And he's not put, he wasn't putting us on this morning. He goes to many churches, and he sees a lot of buildings, you know, and everything that he saw, everything that was here, he thought, boy, and every word he said was just an encouragement. And that's why when you look at Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up, to encourage him. And that's why we need some encouragement. Look, we not only need to give encouragement, but sometimes we need to receive it. I've received encouragement from many of you. Sometimes you just being here encourages me because it helps me to say, listen, that person is serious about the Lord. 
That person is serious about serving God. That person is serious about teaching a class or working in the nursery or whatever it may be. The Bible says, again, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. It's talking about sharpening something so that it has a greater effectiveness. One of the things that I told Brother Kenny to do, and he's been a blessing in this area, is, is I told him, I said, look, we need to make sure we get everything ready for work day, and we need to make sure that the trimmers that we use on the hedges, that they're ready to go, that they're sharp, that we've got them prepared, and so we've got one actually uh, being fixed right now, so that, so that it'll, it, listen, that's what God wants us to be, He wants us to be effective for Him, and how do we become effective? When folks encourage us, and our friendship is strengthened through encouragement, and notice lastly, it's strengthened through acceptance. Well, this is, everybody loves to feel accepted. People come into our church sometimes, you can tell by the look on their face, is sometimes they go to other churches and then they come here and they're like, wow, I didn't know a church like this really existed. Uh, from the time they walk in the door, they feel like people love them, people accept them. Hey, can I tell you that if we are a church like that, you know who we're emulating? Jesus. Jesus loved everyone. He accepted everyone. Somebody said acceptance is the optimum environment for growth. See, when people feel accepted, guess what's going to happen is they're going to grow in the Lord. The Bible says, a friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. That brother there, born for adversity, is a friend that is a constant lover. It's someone that's going to constantly accept you. Acceptance in fellowship will sustain us, even during difficult situations in our lives. Look, folks, I'm going to try to tell you tonight... As we've been talking about fellowship, it's God's desire. That's what we see in Acts 2.42. It was God's desire that God's people would have fellowship one with another, that, that we need to have godly friends in our lives. And that the way that happens is through the local church, the body of believers. God's given us the gift of fellowship. And we need to make the most of the relationships that we have. I look forward to the times that I have with my brothers in Christ, with my sisters in Christ. And we need to have those times of fellowship. Look at Acts, uh, Proverbs uh, 18, 24. A man that hath friends, I mentioned this this morning about friend day, he must show himself friendly. Look at the rest of the verse. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I believe that's talking about the Lord. He's been a friend to us, has he not? And he has spend time with us and he wants us to spend time with him and he wants us to spend time with one another you see many times we think christian fellowship is just about getting together and just having a good old time and there's nothing wrong with that but remember christian fellowship is spending time with the lord talking about the things of god and we need that kind of fellowship in our lives because we need our faith stabilized we need our friendships sustained. We need our, our friendships strengthened and our fellowships sustained through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the local body, the church. Let's pray tonight and ask the Lord to help us in this area of fellowship. Lord, thank you so much for the example of the early church, the church in Jerusalem. Lord, the strength that they had because of the friendships that they had, the faith that they had in you was stabilized. Lord, I pray that you'd help our church, Lord, those of us that are a part of Bible Baptist Church, that as 
we reach out to those around us. Certainly, there needs to be a, a biblical separation of sorts. But I pray that you would help us to reach out to them the way you reached out to everyone that you came into contact with. Lord, you loved everyone. You accepted them, but then you showed them the truth. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this week, that you'd give us opportunities to help bring someone to you, to share the truth with someone, and to spend time fellowshipping with other brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.